Jigsaw's fets Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts You might be a Trekkie eh, Sit back and watch as the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch Turn to the letter F in your dictionary And add this word to your vocabulary Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby Intended to be quite as terrifying as, say, The Haunting of Hill House. Right, more goosebumpy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the box set, and we're done. Yeah. Okay. So we, we usually amble into these just by having a little conversation ahead of time. Yeah, right, well, I've been catching up a little bit. Okay. Oh, that's good. Has, <laughs> it, been, has it been worth catching up? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's really nice to hear. Well, let's start. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And uh, this is our, our Halloween episode with topics that I've kind of wanted to talk about for a couple of years. And then figured, if I don't do it now, we may never do it. So, uh, I don't know what that really means. But anyway, across from me uh, is, of course, our podcast producer here at the Brett Cave. Rick Brett Snyder. And we have a special guest tonight. I know normally I put that in between, but I'm going to put this. So they threw me for a loop there. For they're like, it's amazing. I recovered. And remember <laughs> who's my that name? giggling? Uh, it, no, that's more of a chuckle. That's a deep rooted chuckle. Sure. We have uh, it, the uh, longtime uh, member of Bosfa, or, or, or rather of the. I, I don't know if you're officially a Bosfa. I know that you are officially on the sci-fi and fantasy scene in the Bay Area. <laughs> I'm on the scene. Here. He's you're been. A, scene. He's been. Stephen has been a long history with Baycon. He ran Baycon TV for a number of years. He's a costumer. He's a singer. He has a number of podcasts that I'm sure we'll get into. And uh, and he is wanted for murder in 34 states. Uh, <laughs> the death mark the Halloween, on several systems. Because it's the Halloween episode. Uh, Stephen Nelson. And talk about your uh, the, the podcast you're almost – running as you stopped you were on hiatus for a little bit with the current podcast sure okay uh well this is the beginning of the ads people yes so yes i um produce a podcast called sci-fi 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 because names are hard and i didn't understand how unsearchable that was so uh you can find us at sf3podcast.com and our uh, our shtick is that every week we review uh another uh audiobook in the science fiction or fantasy nature you and your crew me and my crew yes we uh, first go in and give it a quick spoiler free review and then we take a break so if you actually want to go out and read it then you have or time to, to do it. that or listen to it then you can come back and join us for a thorough discussion of everything we can think about for it so yep sf3podcast.com is uh, your address to that it is on a bit of a hiatus but there's plenty of back issues to catch up on if you are so inclined excellent all right and of course if you're listening to this podcast uh you may have picked it up on apple podcast or stitcher and either way please subscribe rate us and of course you can find it on fanboyplanet.com each and every one of our podcasts has a page i uh, do want to also mention that uh if you would like to help support fanboy planet and there's something we talk about on this evening's podcast although it may not be evening when you're listening to it 
if we're spooky enough, you have to listen to it by daylight. Late at night. Yes. Close your eyes and it's evening. Well, that's true. <laughs> All right. So suddenly, Mango Habanero. Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> and Rick, I just saw Rick's face crumble. <laughs> Mango Habanero is going to talk about Halloween. Anyway, uh, you can, uh, anything we talk about that you want to own for yourself and you can do so legally, but you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store, you can go on to the handy dandy Amazon search box on each and every page of Fanboy Planet or on the page for this podcast. There may very well be some direct links to help out, and we get a small kickback through that. As well as you can go on Think Geek. We are affiliated with that. And if you'd just like to help defray the cost of hosting this podcast, you can go on to what is that site? PayPal. And uh, to editor at fanboyplanet.com. As well as if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Do you want to announce that we have uh, some public appearances happening? Uh, including of the long missed, but hopefully we'll get back in now that we know his schedule a little bit better. Nate Costa, who was sometimes the announcer of this podcast and uh, has moved to LA and is working in, in the, the dream. He's living the dream. And he's uh, in show business. He's in show business. And he and I will both be appearing at the LA comic con on Sunday, October 28th for action figure action movie. The latest installment, the furious gospel of Johnny Tan. Don't step over the title, the furious gospel of Johnny Tan. And that is a stop motion uh, with action figures. Uh, This one is a Hong Kong cinema mixed with zombies. And it's really a fun piece. So I believe it's going to be screened, and then we're going to talk about the history of action figure action movie. It's at 1 p.m. on Sunday, October 28th in room 301. That's Lon Lopez's movie, right? And that is Lon Lopez, who was filming on the podcast as well. So Lon will be heading that panel up, and I didn't mean to make it sound like uh, just Nate and I are going to be talking. It's Lon. (laughs) And as I uh, moderated the panel at a toy show in Santa Clara, I know it's really pretty much just going to be Lon talking. The rest are going to go, bye. You do interpretive dance behind him, right? I, that's I, I've learned. Yes. yes. Uh, so if you want to see that, uh, we'll be at, at <laughs> Comic Con, at, at the L.A. Comic Con, which was formerly Stan Lee's L.A. Comic Con, but they, for understandable reasons, have rebranded slightly this year. Anyway, uh, and then in November, I have I can announce the third date with the last podcast. I was not able to say this. I have a Southern California book tour for I Was Flesh Gordon on Saturday, November 10th at 4 p.m. Both uh, Jason Williams, the star of Flesh Gordon, and myself will be signing the book at Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore in San Diego. It's at 5943 Balboa Avenue, Suite 100 in San Diego. It's MYST. G-A-L-A-X-Y dot com. That's mistgalaxy.com. And uh, again, Saturday, November 10th at 4 p.m. That's a really cool bookstore. They have a big booth every year at Comic-Con, and I realized for the last three or four years I've walked away having purchased things that maybe I didn't know I needed until I walked into Comic-Con. So I reached out, and they're doing that. Saturday, November 17th at 9 p.m., The Comic Bug, After Dark. We're actually screening Flesh Gordon, followed by a Q&A session and signing by Jason and myself. And that's at The Comic Bug in Manhattan Beach, 1809 Manhattan Beach Boulevard, Manhattan Beach. And you can find them at thecomicbug.com. And on Sunday, November 18th at 4 p.m., the store that has gotten the most of my money in the last month, uh, is we are signing at Dark Delicacies. That's 3512 West Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank, California. And we're in Burbank. It's the, it is the Hollywood dream. Indeed. And it's an incredibly cool 
horror themed bookstore it's great and that's at darkdell.com d-a-r-k-d-e-l.com so we'll be signing there and if you would like an ad to help sponsor uh the podcast by all means send us your information and to promote your material and what promote about? your material uh rick and i will produce well rick will really produce i'll pretend like i'm helping <laughs> uh an ad for the podcast so you can again write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com the sponsorship from Derek McCaw was brought to you by Derek McCaw, and I owe, I owe myself so much money. <laughs> anyway, uh, so there we go. So uh, we do have a little bit of comics, a little bit of movies and, and TV stuff tonight, but mostly we want to talk about ghosts. And that's why Ooh. we have Steven Nelson here. Having also, previously to the Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi podcast, you were the host of the Skeptical... Yes, the Skeptical Viewer Podcast. Uh, it was an audio podcast, but it was the viewer? Uh, yes. Okay. We have no consistency. Uh, the Consistencies for the week! Yes! All right. Well, and for the clipped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, yeah, way back in the day, they're back sort of in the great dawn of these live action and or supposedly reality-based ghost hunting TV shows. Uh, it seemed to me like Nobody on the skeptical side was really paying attention to them. And uh, so uh, I partnered with somebody who was... Well, Scooby-Doo was. Well, yes. But, but hey, Scooby-Doo, they always explained who exactly it was in the mask at the yes, end. Yes, right. Well, until the more recent ones, but I'm sure we could all Zorlack about yeah. that. Um, Later. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I started to uh, watch all of these shows and... Uh, was trying to analyze them and sort of figure out what was going on behind the scenes. And you know, were they actually producing any kind of evidence? Because I come from a very skeptical background and, you know, engineering and so forth. And, um, yeah, after doing it for a couple of years, I came to a very firm conclusion that if I had watched another one, my head was going to explode. So I stopped. But, um, but I did pick up a lot during that time that I'm happy to share with you. The trimmer is almost, almost gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've also been ghost hunting in real life a couple of times, once with uh, uh, with one of the foremost skeptics of the country and um, another with um, some people that weren't quite so skeptical but were great people, and uh, we could talk about that maybe a little bit. And, um, yeah, but – and I've uh, – moved around in skeptical circles for a little while and I, i've learned one very important thing also which is that everybody has a ghost story mm. i mean you've got one i do and i've I, got one i'm pretty sure rick has one yeah and, and that is excellent and thank you for segueing into that I mean, because this is true when we've been at cinequest in particular when the rare chances to interview somebody who's been involved in horror films I asked them, do they believe? And I think you could remember Emily Berlais-Goss. We did the interview for the House on Pine Street. And in that interview, which you can find in our archives on the podcast, I did ask her that. Like, do you believe? And she had a big, long story uh, about it. And it is true. Almost, I should say almost, because I'm sure that if I, I'll forget there was somebody who said, nope, I don't believe. I, well, I think that was Stephen Nelson. Yes. And <laughs> I didn't say everybody believed in ghosts. Okay. But, but everybody, everybody has, has a ghost, ghost story. story. Okay. Uh Maybe that's the time. Everybody, it's like everybody loves Raymond. Everybody has ghosts. <laughs> anyway, uh, and the people that directed uh, Love in the Time of Monsters, mm -hmm. and they said it back at that lodge. There were several 
encounters. Mm-hmm. And so, again, and there is that. So now I understand uh, that, uh, like Rick earlier, we were talking about, you know, what choices that yours have all been debunked. So I, I will ask though, you know, one that like what what creeped you out the most? When the you, one that was the creepiest. Yeah, was definitely we were uh, we were traveling cross country. And staying with relatives of my mother, who apparently had evenly spaced relatives out throughout the uh, United States. <laughs> that was convenient. It's like yeah, it Stuckies. Like, it's like Stuckies. It was like Stuckies, relative. Stuckies, relative. Perfect. And the relatives actually had the spinner rack with magic tricks, too. Oh, nice. Um, anyway, so we were- we, I'm sure people are dying laughing. We were, <laughs> at, in this, we were in this house, and architecturally, there's when we are here on the West Coast, you have a, a style of house called an Eichler. Mm-hmm. And and this is not unique My to favorite style of house. Not unique to Eichlers, but they often have, and you can see them up here, in, in influenced by Eichlers. In my own remodel, where these kind of long rectangular windows close to the ceiling, that were supposed to mostly let light in and let you see the sky, but you didn't necessarily have to have drapes or anything on them. And uh, so we're we're in this this house, and it's it's got a lot of wood in I it. I should mention you do have curtains, though. We do have curtains. Mm-hmm. We'll, another story entirely. <laughs> different different ghost story so so we're with our our third cousins twice removed maybe um just hanging out in one of the rooms late at night and in a rocking chair in one corner there is this super creepy looking doll and it's 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 like a it's like a doll and the face is the face is not quite looking like somebody who's really trying to make it look human mm-hmm. because it was a clown but it, the the and it was kind of like a polyachi. The story is getting worse and worse. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a polyachi kind of look to sure. the clown, and so the kids said, "Do you want to see the ghost?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And so they they turned the lights down in the room. They said, "Stare at the, stare at the doll," and so we we were like staring at the doll. Like, Whatever you do, don't stop looking at the doll until we tell you. And so. It, Staring and staring and staring at the doll. Nothing's happening, but we're all getting super creeped out because it's a creepy-looking doll. And all of a sudden, they said, now look up at the window. So we all look up at the window, (laughs) and we see the doll at the window. Yeah. And totally freaked out. I mean, still, <laughs> I can still feel the freakness. And of course, what it was, was the burning of the retina of the yep. white cloth into your, and then you, you get the negative image when you're looking in this dark room at, mm-hmm. at, out, out a window where there shouldn't be anything looking in, but of course you're seeing right. the doll's doppelganger looking in. How, how old did you say you were? Probably about 11, 12 maybe. And w- how old were you when you stopped urinating after that? <laughs> <laughs> because I I'm with you. That would creep the heck out of me. Yeah. It would absolutely. On the other hand, I admire that trick. There's a certain yeah. oh, no. cleverness I'm sure, I'm to sure it. what happened was oh, it happened to them one of them probably did it to themselves by accident. Right. And and got creeped out, but they now they've got a trick they can pull on. And that people. was his third cousin, John yeah. Wayne Gacy. <laughs> but it's but it's one of those things where you can go, This is how potentially people see ghosts because of the things the tricks our own bodies pull on us. Just naturally because of the way things like the eye works. Well, that is actually one of my points of fascination is I'm fascinated by how the brain works. Why is it that everybody has a ghost story when we have no proof of ghosts? And, you know, as a skeptic, I can't tell you for absolutely sure if ghosts exist or if they don't. I have 
absolutely no evidence that they do exist. Yeah. But no. Okay. In ordinary layman's terms, no, I don't believe in ghosts. And if I actually were to develop proof of the existence of ghosts, it would completely, you know, upset everything I believe about the world. But that is the same thing as saying they don't exist. I can only say, you know, to every degree I know. Can I ask a question? No. No, yes, I can. <laughs> uh, is if we take the supernatural out, and, mm-hmm. and earlier, you know, I said something about spirituality, and you looked at me as if I had uh, just passed gas. Uh, well, I, I do give people funny looks all the time. I, yes, that's true. Uh, if we say there's, you know, like Rick's story is very specifically, there's an optical illusion. Yeah. And I've certainly read enough now about the concept of, uh, not subtones, that's not the right the right word for it oh infrasound infrasound Mm. that that actually works on the the eye Mm -hmm. and makes and actually makes the brain feel like uncomfortable and people do start hallucinating right they've used it in movies and they and they oh yeah no there's there's some wonderful experiments that people have done um including by one of the coolest people i've ever heard of i forget his name off the top of my head um but i don't but he's cool but he's cool is my point <laughs> um no he fought ghosts with a sword and science uh this was uh someone who he was uh he was working late in a lab one night and uh he was uh, his eyes beheld <laughs> exactly. as and, long as we don't sing it i think we're okay <laughs> uh, uh he kept on sort of getting this really creepy feeling and sort of seeing things out of the corner of his eye. And uh, so uh, he actually had his fencing sword um, clamped into a vice nearby, and he was noticing it was, like, going mm-hmm. back and forth by I think itself. I have read about this, but I still don't know who it is. Yes. And uh, I just remember his name was also cool, but not what it actually was, which is useful. It was not Thurl Ravenscroft. No. Um, Coolest name ever. Okay. Uh, but anyway, he uh, was able to figure out that uh, they had recently replaced the fan in the building and uh, replaced it with a much larger one. It was kicking out infrasound all over the place. And uh, there have been some later experiments uh, where that do sort of indicate that, uh, yeah, it really can cause subsonics like that can cause uh, changes in how you feel, that sort of feeling of pressure. Right. So it, it, the heart of my question Mm-hmm. What was, you know, what would we say is the, as a skeptic, and I know, you know, that, that's not, is what would be the scientific advantage to this optical illusion working mm-hmm. on us or this infrasound affecting this way? If you take spirituality or the supernatural out of the equation, why would it do that? Um, I don't understand exactly. Uh, why would why, why would we not evolve to be resistant to oh, it? Um, actually, we evolved precisely to fall for these things. Because mm. what mad god did this to us? <laughs> A very Thanos. mad god. Yes, Thanos. <laughs> Thanos. Um, the god that didn't want us eaten by leopards. Let's see. Um, Do they communicate on infrasound? Uh, some of them, actually. Um, uh, th- there is uh, not leopards per se, but you know, there is some evidence that you say, you know, big predators might, uh, you know, emit infrasound. But um, but but that's more of a physiological reaction. Uh, the infrasound stuff that is basically you're being rattled around in a way that you mm-hmm. don't fully understand. But, um, you know, the brain is really prone for 
category errors. Um, there, it's really prone to uh, if 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 you're designing somebody that is supposed to stay alive in the wild, and uh, there's this rustle in in the brush over there. Well, you know. The philosophical primate that uh, is uh, is sort of the thinking. Extinct, by the way, did the not extinct extinct one. <laughs> <laughs> the Neanderthals very big on pondering that bush. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you left. They had bigger brains than us. Uh, but mm, Derek, uh, look at bush. Why are you over? <laughs> Derek would go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The ones that the ones that would be sucker enough to go over and look in the bush, or just sort of say, "Oh well, I have no real evidence that that's anything scary." They're gonna be dinner. They spoke like English villains. Of course, they yes. get to. I have no real evidence, and then there's a big chomping <laughs> right, sound. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of scientific skeptics in the brush back in the day. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it makes perfect sense that we would have evolved to have this kind of error. Plus, we we're evolved social beings, and so every time we don't understand something, our brain tends to attribute agency to something. So. If you hear a, a something fall over in the middle of the night, your first question is not necessarily. Do we have a cat? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. Yeah, you're attributing an agent to it. Yeah, Do we have a cat. Oh no, the cat died. Oh, now I'm creepy. Yeah, <laughs> creepy exactly. Um, but you know, anything that you don't understand, anything that's just too complex to to sort of fit into uh, some worldview. Oh, your worldview. You attribute it to a person and if you can't see that person well okay so that that segues to your ghost story sure i let rick tell it now you tell yours <laughs> sure well and so for about half of the audience this will feel exactly like the experience of a skeptic because about half of the audience will jump to the conclusion much faster than i did at the time so i'm uh when I was back in high school, I was working on the high school literary magazine. Uh, I'd gotten permission to use the computer in the teacher's lounge. It was, I think, a, a Mac 2. It was in color. And uh, th this was back in the 90s. And uh, it was uh, – I went to a private high school. And the, the place that I was in, it was an old mansion. It was Douglas Hall. And it used to be a – uh, it used to be like um, a sanitarium for uh, uh, tuberculosis victims, I think. Um, but after, you know, this place, if it's haunted, you know, if there are haunted places, this place should yeah, be I haunted. Yeah, I need to take notes for a screenplay because <laughs> exactly. I feel like you're setting this up so beautifully. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, I had been singing with a choir down there. I could tell you that the acoustics in there were perfect. If you walked around down below, if anybody had been... Down below, uh, I was up in an office on the second floor. Um, the the um, uh, and down down on the ground floor was a piano, right by the exit. That's important because this is what terrified me. I'm sitting there, you know, editing stuff for the literary magazine, and suddenly I hear somebody banging on the piano, like you know, somebody was hitting it with their fist, and you know, to my horror i just couldn't i just froze i just couldn't think of what this could possibly be i was just like okay there's nobody down there and yet the piano is going it's a ghost so i managed to 
grit my teeth and go downstairs and I discovered what about half of you in the audience have been screaming this entire time which is I saw a cat run out of the shadows um, now I'd never owned a cat I'd never seen a cat in there and I didn't really know about their propensity to jump on piano keyboards um, and uh, so it was sort of fascinating to me just watching my, you know in retrospect watching my brain sort of turn something from a totally inexplicable event to a totally ordinary one just see from, I, I i jumped to the fact that the cat was a ghost <laughs> it may have been okay. i can't prove it was if i had not already heard the story from steven i too would have jumped to that <laughs> yeah how do i know because you <laughs> said it was a cat <laughs> when i told it to you the first time that's right i did <laughs> um but it's interesting because you said you know this is this is proto Stephen. He's not yet the skeptic. Sure, but you jumped to you jumped to jumping right. to the supernatural or, or, or to the most terrified. Uh, maybe not terrified, but but I was out. I was terrified. Sure, yeah. Uh, first, mm -hmm. and then I and that's often as as I, I mentioned before we started it, saying like when I was studying Hamlet in college and someone said, like, how can anybody believe in this stuff? And blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, you believe after dark. And, of course, you're right. Right. You countered in Hamlet's time. Of course, it would have been the explanation. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, although there is that argument about is he seeing anything or not, you know, but I said, <laughs> we all believe after dark. Certainly. And so it's just kind of, uh, kind of interesting that even right. you did. Oh, certainly. And, you know, I wasn't, as you say, fully developed as a skeptic at that point um and baby skeptic <laughs> baby skeptic and uh i'm always a little bit suspicious of people that say that oh you know i've i've never believed in anything i've been a skeptic my whole life and that mary what that may very well be true but i mean you grew up watching in search of i mean if you're my age right we were the golden age of paranormal television well the first golden age we've we've had <laughs> plenty since then but, uh, you know, I don't know. We can call it golden if it's every time you turn the TV on, there is something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because gold is supposed to be rare. <laughs> well, yeah. So. Gold foil age. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. Okay, good. I like it a lot. Okay. Um, so I will, I will tell mine because I've sure. a prop mm -hmm. and I don't have an explanation. So and neither do I. I. I have, well, maybe you will. I don't know. So, uh, I preface by saying, and I, I think I, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, my, my father passed away when I was 17. And he had, uh, his upbringing was essentially a John Steinbeck novel. Um, he, you know, very poor. I mean, literally stopped at the, mm. his family came to California when he was seven. The border, California border, took all their furniture and jewelry. And, you know, they yeah. dumped it. You know, so more, more, um, Grapes of Wrath. Right. The uh, log from the Sea of Cortez. Yeah, it was not, not the <laughs> pearl necessarily uh, or the red yeah. pony. Uh, maybe. Anyway, uh, so, you know, he did have this fascination for toys and things that mm -hmm. were would have been logical for his time. Like we have a lot of metal banks, you mm -hmm. know, the mechanical banks. And, and he decided he liked nutcrackers. And so, of course, you know how it is, and this house is proof, uh, that once you once people realize you're into something – they give you gifts. Have you seen Justin's Nutcracker collection? No, I have not. Mm. I'm not going to give this one to him. <laughs> but uh, that, uh, you know, I, and I lost track. I know for a couple of years being, uh, you know, 
trying to find a gift for your father, you go, nutcrackers. He likes nutcrackers. So yeah. I bought a couple. Sure. And the mantelpiece was covered with them. Mm-hmm. So he passed away when I was 17. And about three years later, my I was home from college for the summer, and my mother and my brother went to Hawaii. And I was doing a play. So I was, you know, I was not going to go to Hawaii. <laughs> Silly me. I decided to do a play instead. And I, so I was doing the play. So I was home alone. Mm-hmm. And... At 4 o'clock in the morning, which I was piecing this together today, seriously, because you know how memories come and you go like, oh, something else clicked. Around 4 o'clock, which I believe is potentially about the time he died, Hmm. I was awakened to hear this. I didn't know there was a music box. That's key to the story. I'm at the end of the hallway, uh, away from suddenly at four in the morning, a music box is playing, likely in the living room. So I get up, and I admit, the other thing about everybody's ghost story is, we all do something stupid that in hindsight we go, why didn't I? (laughs) Like, nobody, when you're scared, you don't think. So I once told this story to my students, and they said, why didn't you turn on a light? I go, I don't know, because what if it was a burglar? I didn't want him to know I was up, and I wasn't going to find out, you know. So I walked down the hall, which is carpeted, um, and this is just a key detail for the way it is, a hallway of carpet, a little entryway that's tiled, and then the living room, which was also carpeted. I walked down the hallway. As soon as I stepped onto the tile, the music stopped. I knew it had come from the the far wall of the living room, and I walked forward a few more steps, and I stepped onto the carpet. And it started up again. And I, like a brave little soldier, <laughs> turned my tail, ran like hell back down to my bedroom, threw on my pants, grabbed my car keys, and bravely ran out the front door... <laughs> It's the doll's house now. I got in my... <laughs> I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and I got in my car, and I drove around until sunrise. And I would not go back into the house until there was actual daylight. Right. And I checked it out. So, um, investigating the mantelpiece, discovered that, yes, you know, this to activate this nutcracker... No, it's, it's a nutcracker. It's a blue it's a soldier yeah, it's a with soldier. a drum, and he's on a pedestal. And on our Facebook page, you can see now a photo of Stephen Nelson holding this nutcracker. But it's a peg that has to be pulled out and pushed back in to stop. And I would bet if we took that apart, there is a timing flywheel in there. Oh, I'm sure. I can like feel it. It's two, like two fins, and the peg would go would actually catch between the two pins. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that is, you know, it... I realized, I told the story to my brother and my mother. My brother, who is also, I don't know if he's a skeptic or more just he just doesn't want to believe in anything. He laughed at it. My mother laughed at it. And then a couple years later, I happened to be visiting home and realized that it was gone. <laughs> that the Nutcracker was gone. My mother had boxed up several. Um, and she would make me tell the story at family gatherings or to friends. Oh. And then she would laugh. And I went, but why is that the one you took off the shelf? <laughs> I told the story to my children, and years later, so about three or four (coughs) years ago, my mom said, 
you know, the, there's some nutcrackers boxed up in the middle bedroom. And that's where my daughter would stay. And I, she said, for Christmas, I think it would be great. Have them have the kids take the, the box out and, and choose a nutcracker. And I said, you're going to tell me that I'm supposed to tell my daughter that she's been staying in the room with the haunted nutcracker. <laughs> and you think this will be a delightful Christmas memory. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And then we looked in the bedroom and. The box wasn't there. But uh, about two years ago, my, my brother and I were cleaning out the garage, and we did find the box. And I pulled it this out. It hadn't run far enough. It hadn't run far enough. And I and I took it out, and I leave it on display, and I say, we are never losing track of this nutcracker again. <laughs> and it's never losing track of us. No. I think if you look, it's it's looking at you, Rick. Uh, anyway, so that is, you know, I, I have... I have one more thing. I have another experiences where I'd say, I have not seen anything else. This is my one direct feeling like, yeah, there was something. My daughter has had, had experiences. Sure. And almost everybody in my family oh. has. Yeah. You can never rule out um, enemy action. Somebody else pulling something on you, even if they're not there. There's a device that you can buy in novelty shops and stuff. It's called an Annoyatron. And it's basically about... In 1985? I've been called that. In, no, it's, it's, you can buy them now. In 1985? Yeah. That's what I... You know, if you're trying to debunk that... No, no, I'm not okay. trying to... Okay. No, this is actually... This is a device. And which, what it is, is it's like a little PC board with a speaker on it and a magnet on one side. And, you, and basically an on switch. And what you do is you turn this thing on, use the magnet to put it up inside of something or other, and this will randomly, at decent intervals of time between them, issue creaky sounds, maybe small bits of laughter. Yeah. Um, there's, parents, there's you, parents, you might not want your children to be listening to this <laughs> podcast right now for fear for a variety will, of reasons, they will purchase actually. of this, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I'm sure in post-production I told Rick, Go ahead. Do what you want. Have fun with sound effects. <laughs> I have no idea what he's going to do. Uh, but, no, you know, it's interesting because... No, the I twist will be that I was dead the whole time. Yes. Oh. We should have known by the red doorknob. Yeah, this is this is weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, because years ago, you know, there's the motion sensitive... Yes, uh, yes. Motion sensor uh, pets. What were they called? For real friends, which I'm sure they still sell, but my daughter oh. had all those. And I said... I have a Furby in the den. Who is, that is a devil's toy! Who is facing the wall because there is not really an off switch for this little thing. Did you know that? They don't have a Oh, no. Right. Yeah. And what the you have heck to take the batteries out. Oh, no. You have to take the batteries out. Um, then they slowly around, die. Yeah. They, 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 they talk until you don't talk to them anymore and then they go to sleep. But if you talk enough... And they can see something. Then. Well, it was, it was the Amazon Echo that started giggling. Yes. People, yeah. You yes. know, I mean... It was supernatural uh, or just AI going, sure. they don't know. Skynet. <laughs> they haven't learned a thing. Skynet's not going to blow you up. It's just going to no. blow your mind. I well, know. It, it is interesting to me. Well, first, actually, let me talk about your story. Because the first time you told me, it was part of a time when I was having a little bit of a revelation about skepticism. Which was um, <laughs> that, how do you feel about this story? Does how, it, how do I feel about this Does story? it frighten you? It scared the hell out of me at the time. At the time, sure. Do you but revisit the fear? When I tell the story, sometimes I get, you know, I feel my eyes tear up. Um, right. 
what I came to believe. And I, I will admit, and this is my thing with spirituality is I go, if you don't believe, I'm absolutely fine with that. I don't have it. I'm not angry about it. I'm not, I have no, no issue. I find it in a weird way comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say this because my mother will not listen to this podcast, never has. Um, that my father and I had a very contentious relationship the last couple of years of his life. Mm-hmm. And anybody who knows me well knows, knows that. And it's not a you know big therapy breakthrough moment here. Um, that I came to feel that he waited until my brother and my mother were gone. He knew that one of my biggest concerns, fears, was very scared of death for a long time. Mm-hmm. I am... I guess, look at the world now. I'm not particularly scared of it because it's just sort of going to happen, right? The older you get, you get... Whatever. But I, I, can't, I came to believe that he that it was a way of telling me, yes, there is life after death, but he told me in the biggest asshole way he possibly could. And I thought, that is absolutely appropriate <laughs> for my dad. So <laughs> whether that is the truth sure. or not, that is the way I made peace with that story. Exactly. Now, when I started getting into skepticism, I had the same delusion that most skeptics had. Well, I'm going to go in there. People are going to tell me their ghost stories. I'm going to figure out what really happened, and then everyone will love that. And, well, honestly, if I could debunk that story, I'm not entirely sure that I wouldn't be taking away something kind of precious to you. Hmm. Yeah. So it makes you special, makes you feel special, like you've you've been. Well, no, I don't think it makes me feel. No, I mean no. in general, I mean. But why, why go out of your way to debunk a belief somebody holds if it's not hurting anybody? Exactly. Now, if yeah. somebody is going around and saying, "Oh, it's a ghost," and you know, like right. I have an. We were talking about the golden age of paranormal television when you like uh, watch the Long Island Medium, which. My right. mother records this constantly, and I go back and forth on that. And that guy that years ago, John Edwards, right? Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and, and you know, crossing the, over, crossing and over. That's it. Yeah, yeah. The fact is, you know, Edwards was just doing something we study in skepticism called cold reading. Yeah, well, and sometimes he would use warm or hot reading. In fact, quite frequently, you know, he would just know something about something from the audience, and he wasn't that good at it, but he was very fast. But what's her name? But the Long Island Media. Yeah, I can Rosemary somebody. She's very good at it. I've watched mm-hmm. the show a few times. She's very good at it. I absolutely believe you, you know, that it, I, to me that's a, that's a cold reading thing. However, I came to feel like, I, and I, I, I go back and forth. It's like you watch the people she's talking to suddenly feel like this weight is lifted because they got this message from beyond, whether right. it's real or not. Yeah. And... What's wrong with that? And yet at the same time, maybe you're just helping them hide from something that they should learn to live with. I mean, that's frankly above my pay grade. Yeah. You're getting Um, paid for this? (laughs) No. That's why it's above (laughs) my pay grade. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. I mean, it's – I mean, people say about skepticism – sorry. People say about ghosts, well, what's the harm? And it's a mixed bag, you know? Uh some for some people it's you know some of their ghost stories are kind of precious to them um sometimes 
believing in ghosts can lead someone to try to investigate a haunted house, quote unquote, that is actually owned by somebody with a shotgun and uh, dislike. There is a danger. There and is people, a danger. I mean, uh, nobody has ever shown me anything about ghosts actually being dangerous, but people hunting for ghosts or believing in ghosts in certain ways can be dangerous. Yeah. And I know uh, there are shadowlands.com is a site that gathers stories mm-hmm. and i worked in a location i won't name but was haunted sure was allegedly was listed on shadowlands there were things about the way they told the story that i went well that's impossible because that that's not the way right. the architecture works or whatever you know I, I don't want to go into too much detail um because that place was not happy about people thinking uh, you know that it was and I sent in corrections there, and this one I can say, uh, Manteca. I was born in this uh, small town in Central California that had, uh, that on Shadowlands was like, what do you mean this town is haunted? And they listed the story, and I was like, my, one of my friends was there mm-hmm. on the night of the alleged disaster, oh, I could say this, it was a movie theater, the to- old town movie theater, showed The Towering Inferno. Mm-hmm. And after the last showing of The Towering Inferno, it burned to the ground. No one was hurt. Everyone was gone. Right. And Shadowlands would not accept the correction. They were like, no, no, no. There were fire. There were people trapped inside. And blah, blah, blah. It's a brewery now. So they said, you can still hear them, the, the screams. And I'm like, I, maybe, was that like the, is the Fenting. film reel still left there? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, there are cases. People want to believe so badly that when you say, well, you know, I know people who were there. That was not what happened at all. Sure. And to the flip side, and unfortunately we couldn't get any guests on tonight for this, we're in a, we're in a hot spot, mm-hmm. or a cold spot, if you will, <laughs> uh, in San Jose, of or Silicon Valley, of at least two nationally known, if not globally renowned, haunted places. Oh, right. Uh, one, of course, the Winchester Mystery House, and I was trying to get an employee. Everyone I know who has worked at the Winchester Mystery House has a story. Sure. Of of working there. And the other one is, and I realize, of course, when I say it, the haunted Toys R Us. But aren't all the Toys R Us's ghosts now? <laughs> uh, I know they're bringing it back. I know they're bringing it back. But right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I will call out Steve Mix, who is the owner of Green Machine Comics and a science fiction or horror writer. Uh, goodbye from the Edge of Never and Postcards from the Edge of postcards Never. Postcards from the Edge. Um, so really fun zombie novels. And I, and I think that does them no justice to say they're zombie novels because right. there's so much more. And a uh, former student of mine, and so I messaged him out. But unfortunately, Green Machine Comics is <laughs> trying to run a business in its first year. How dare they? It keeps you uh, kind of busy, tied to your business. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but he, you know, I said, didn't you work at the Toys R Us? Because I'd seen him posting that, you mm-hmm. know, and talking about that. And so I haven't known that many people that worked at the Toys R Us, but... Again, every one of them is a believer. Sure. And they've had some experience. And part of it is you kind of freak your, yourself out, right? You you get yourself open. And uh, you know, when you work there and the, the slightest thing out of the ordinary happens, you start going, oh, well, that was Johnny. That was the ghost at the, right. at the Toys R Us. Who's Johnny? Who's Johnny? I actually know. Oh, okay. The history of this. Uh, Johnny Johnson. He's supposedly a ranch hand from the Murphy Ranch who uh, was was courting... 
Mr. Murphy's, uh, the, the Murphy, by the way, being the founders of Sunnyvale. Right. Yep. Sunnyvale really just should be called Murphy. Murphyville. I right. don't know why it's not, except Murphy well, Station. Th- all, most of the streets are named after his daughters. Yes. But I know why it's called Sunnyvale, mm-hmm. because yeah. uh, when it would rain, the first place was, you know, the rainstorms would come, and Sunnyvale, the area that was then, in like 1900 or whatever year it was founded, uh, was it was like a ring of sun. So it was literally the Sunnyvale. And that's why they called it that. Hmm. And so, but you're right. It should be Murphy and Murphy Street. Still fantastic. Yep. If you go down there, wonderful. I worked on Murphy Street. For the one years. part of, of Sunnyvale that I think I hope will continue to be protected and remain retains its charm because I, I love that. But that's getting out of the sight. So Yanni, uh, Johnny worked, uh, worked for Mr. Murphy. He was courting one of the daughters and supposedly he was kicked in the head by a horse. And so he lay dying, you know, for several, you know, I guess he lasted for a couple of weeks. And and this is historically, I think, historically accurate and proven like there's a record of it. So one of the reasons that they said, because they did this on, what was it, um, real, not real people, um, one of those reality series from the 70s that was on the major networks. Um, that's incredible. That's incredible. They, they took uh, that psychic Sylvia Brown. Oh God! In, in there, and so, um, but I've seen there are photos of like of the I'm, I'm sorry. If once Sylvia you, Brown says it's Sylvia haunted, Sylvia Brown into the story, <laughs> then I'm sorry. That's the only place I can prove isn't haunted. But before that, you can look. You can look onto the. That's incredible. It's on on YouTube. If you is YouTube back up? Because last night the yes, whole the back. whole thing crashed. It's mm-hmm. risen again. Mm, see it's all the theme <laughs> anyway uh so there's a photo of of the employees a, a group photo and there is a shadow figure in the back it's a very famous photo you can look this up on google as well and so employees would would report that like you know they'd come back in and toys were rearranged or the balls were all stacked and so forth right. and uh crates so, would fall out of shelves yeah for no reason. and and, and the you know the theory is that, well he was brain damaged so he either he had the mind of a child when he died or he was very concerned because apparently I know I'm sorry once I throw Sylvia Brown in there she said he was very concerned about there was a kid running around without supervision like he was worried <laughs> in about, a Toys R Us in a Toys R Us <laughs> but this was back in the 70s That's when parents incredible. cared uh, you know I don't know. Anyway, you know that that it, that was a, a theory as well that he was looking out for the kids, but you know, I don't know. What I do know is that either they're believers or they won't talk about it at all. I should put that as, sure. as well. I've had a couple of people that go like, "It's just we know things," you know. So I wish Steve could have come on to say just to say what he knows. Tell us what you know, Steve. Tell us what you know. I mean, I will play the the jerk skeptic for a minute and uh, sort of. I think the skeptical side would be, yeah, things maybe were rearranged at a toy store. Things sometimes fell without any explanation in a seismically active area. Um, No, that's a very good point. Maybe there are other explanations for all of these. Frankly, I think that, you know, debunking it bit by bit there might miss the overall point. It's it's a a nexus of stories. It's a fun story. Uh, I swear I, you know... uh, that was the Toys R Us that I shopped at when I was a little kid. I don't think I ever thought it was particularly spooky. I thought of it as toys and more toys. Yes. No, I didn't find that out about the haunting until like high school. Mm-hmm. But I would be fascinated. I don't know what business is going to go in beyond. If it's a spirit Halloween store, there's. No, it already has been. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I haven't driven yeah. by that by, no, by it's, lately. It's been the so if it's a spirit, okay. Well, that's not the best exit. But if some if some other business go, does go in there and there's still talk and it, you know I'll be I'll be oh I'll there be will still be to talk. Hear. It's just like I I do love about the Winchester Mystery House that I had read a book on it and they said that was a believer. Yeah, written by a believer. And it was saying though that Sarah herself was not the ghost. That of all things, it's like, you know, that whole myth about, sorry for those of you who may have enjoyed the film last year with Ellen Mirren, who made a dynamite Sarah Winchester. It was not a particularly frightening film. It was an interesting idea, and I didn't think it was particularly well done, but it was was an interesting idea. Yeah. As a ghost story, it could have been great. Um, But that a lot of that was, you know, hyped up by, because it was the 20s, this land company had it. They could create a tourist yeah. attraction. So they told this whole story, which was we were earlier talking about Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, an American Gothic. There is a story about the Winchester. They don't call it the Winchester Mystery House, but he basically took that myth yeah. and put it into a fantastic story with Swamp Thing. Um, I don't know which volume that's in, but it's a but it is a great great story. And I can be rather clueless. I may have read through the entire thing without actually piecing together that it was Winchester. Well, there's one about win- uh, Western ghosts and and rifles and so forth, and and the hammers can't stop. Okay. So I don't want to spoil the story, but you yeah. know that the swamp thing solves it and and puts the ghosts to rest. It is a great story, but you you still go that everybody. Edward says it's people that worked on the house that died. While not necessarily while working at working on it, but they were in her employ. Those are the ghosts, and then I think one psychic has claimed, "Oh, I felt, I felt Sarah now." But none of the ghosts that she claimed to be haunted by, or that the story was she'd been haunted by, are the ghosts there at all. The story, which we haven't said, is that they were haunted by the victims of the Winchester rifle, and that they had all come back to get her. Because she was the heiress to the Winchester fortune. Okay, that's actually the plot of the film. The, the, the real story is one of the stories. The, the, story, the, story, the, the main thing was yeah, she would. They would not rest. She, yeah. a, a psychic, told her that they would. Uh, right, uh, and that the only way to to sort of keep them keep appeased. Building. Right, keep building constantly. Yeah. Never stop building. They used to run ads on the radio. And Alan Moore made the the parallel of the hammers. Of the rifle, right? As ah. long as the hammers never stop, interesting. These hammers will, will you know. Yeah. And so it was a very interesting, mm-hmm. you know, very I mean, Alan Moore, very very much. I was in Canada for the first time when I was a kid, and we went went to a. Um, we were walking along the street, and I saw something, and I went, "Wait a minute!" Walked into this this travel agency, and they had all those folders of things where to go. They went for San Jose, and it said "Mummy and Ghost Tour." There was oh, the Winchester Mystery and the Rosicrucian Museum. Yeah, that that's a spooky place. Yeah, can you imagine going from Toronto to San Jose to see the Winchester Mystery House? Oh, I can. Re- you know, camp. they've changed their ad campaigns, but for uh, like in the late '80s, early '90s, you'd see billboards up and down oh, five yeah. that would say Winchester well, Mystery outside House. of the state spooky. too. Spooky. Yeah, yeah. And they have a, a skull in, in, yeah. impressed over the and house, they've t- and they've taken that away. They've changed it to the fabulous architecture, which was when I finally went to the Winchester yeah. Mystery House. I went at Christmas time, and they decorated like a Victorian mm-hmm. uh, Christmas, and I was like, I'm so much more fascinated by the architecture, yes, and loving that. But I do have a friend who worked there when I asked him. And unfortunately, he couldn't join us tonight. I said, uh, you know, do you believe? And he said, I never saw anything. But I can say that I constantly felt like I had just missed something. Mm. 
mm-hmm. which was a very interesting way yes. of putting it. And we were joking last year about making it like the Legend of Hell House and saying like, "I have returned." And I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Roddy McDowell saying the only reason I survived is I was smart enough to just run. <laughs> now, <laughs> a, a few things about Winchester Mystery House. First of all, um, I, I remember picking up a very slim volume that was uh, in their gift shop that basically tore apart a lot of the legends that was surrounding her. First of all, you know, she wasn't crazy. She had millions and millions of dollars. She yes. was eccentric. Yes. Um, you know, she could... And she, she lived in a house in Sonoma County. She didn't yeah. actually live in the Winchester Mystery House. Right. Either. So she... But she did all of this because why not? You know, she enjoyed it. She... Uh, she probably was not a very good architect, and so things just got built around... You bite your tongue. <laughs> well, the... the, the we we talked about like optical illusions and stuff. There are a lot of optical illusions in the house. Absolutely, some, some of the floor inlays are made to look like the floor rises in the center of the mm-hmm. room because of the way the the all the plackets of wood yeah. are put together. Um, the other thing that uh, was interesting when I remember from the tour was that in the 1906 earthquake, she was trapped in one of the rooms, right? Because of the way the house shifted, and for the longest time the damage from the earthquake was still visible on the outside of the house into mm-hmm. the into the 70s. I think they repaired it. They did, because by the time I went, 91 or 92 was my one visit. Yeah. And it, it was open to go through, but it had been for a long time. Yeah. Oh, I was the, just there last year. Um, the the other interesting thing, of course, is that uh, there, are, um, there are some long hallways uh, in the Winchester Mystery House, and one of the potential sources of infrasound like we were talking about uh, earlier is um if you get a good strong wind and um maybe a cracked window in a long hallway well it it acts like a pipe organ yeah sure. and you can maybe set up the right kind of standing wave to to really feel a creepy effect yeah. um i mean it's just another story about the same thing. This also, one's the side of it. candelabra floating at the end of it. Oh uh, yeah, that's, well that's, that's a co- that's a very very uh, complex trick well, of the light. Because they do do the Halloween tours, and my son went on that two years ago, where they now have like people dressed as ghosts, sure, running through the flashlight they, tours. They, uh, yeah, but they yeah. did a, a, a Friday the Thirteenth tour in October. Was whichever year, like two years ago, that it it felt Friday the Thirteenth was uh, in October. They've been doing them over. On, no, I know, on, but yeah. that's the one my son went to. He, yeah. His Boy Scout troop went, and he was like, "Yeah, it was creepy, but you know, I mean, you could tell it was people, you know." But it, uh, yeah, so. It's fun. I don't think we can solve whether or not there are, but thank you for the conversation. Sure. And uh, I hope people have enjoyed talking about it and thinking about it. And if you have any ghost stories, go ahead. Please write into editor at fanboyplanet.com or you can find us on our Facebook page. I forgot to mention that. You know, we have the Fanboy Planet Facebook page, Fanboy Planet. Uh, tweet us a ghost story at Fanboy Planet. And, yes. uh, no. Sorry. Uh, this is Rick, uh, and I'm editing the podcast right now. Stephen left me a message after the show. He's about to give you a uh, public service announcement about a gas that you might be concerned about in your house. It is not meant to be radon. He actually meant to say carbon monoxide. So still an important bit of information, but every time Stephen says radon, in your mind, replace it with carbon monoxide. Thanks. Ooh. Oh, uh, one thing and very important uh, tip. If you actually think that your house is haunted, get out. Get your house checked for radon. People have actually, you know, uh, people have actually had to, uh, be, you know, 
people have reported ghost symptoms and so forth, and it turned out that radon in their house was making them hallucinate. That is fascinating. So um, if you think that your house is haunted, well, even if it, if your house is haunted, well, still get it checked for radon. Also it's a good thing to do. Also mushroom soup well, that, that you too. had the night before. Precisely. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's go to comics just a little bit. And again, we're going to say stick. We're going to veer from the haunted mm-hmm. or the the horror theme. For, maybe <laughs> I don't think we are. I think you're there too, uh, Rick. It is uh, let's say comics. You know, we're we're down to. I, I like to say, what is your pick of the week? What is the book that you've enjoyed the most in your stack this week? This week and the, today, rather today, yeah, because this was uh, Comic Book Day. Um, I have in my hand issue one. It is a one-shot, and unlike most of the one-shots lately, I'm actually recommending this one instead of saying avoid it. Ta-da! <laughs> um, this is issue one, Marvel Zombie. Ooh. Not Marvel Zombies, although it is, if you've read any of the Marvel Zombies, they all take place in a world where the zombie plague has come to Earth, and it's taken... Um, most, if not all, of the heroes and villains and turn them into zombies. So you have like zombie Spider-Man, zombie yeah. Doc Ock, zombie Magneto. Uh, Robert Kirkman, I think, started that. Did he start it? Okay. Yeah, he was the first writer of that. So this one, actually, when I saw when I saw the cover, I knew exactly where they were going with it because it is a it is a zombie in a vest wearing an amulet. And, and I knew it looks Im- like Simon Garth. I knew immediately it was Simon Garth from the uh, series that was in the uh, 70s. Zombie Tales? Zombie Tales, and I think he was actually like a zombie, or, a zo- or it was just zombie. Because uh, it was a black and white It magazine was a black and white magazine. Because format. the comics code made them call them Zoovambies. Zoovambies? Did they? Cause, yeah, but no, the, that's why they did the black and white magazine. Simon Garth ah, was there. They could say they zombies in the, in the magazine. magazine right. The comics code said they couldn't say zombie. Right. So they called them Zoovambies but that was, crossed over in the That mainstream. was a time when Marvel had a lot of great horror books. They had not only Absolutely. Did they, they had a lot of great horror books. They had a lot of anthology um, color books. They they would adapt things like Robert E. Howard's Pigeons and Pigeons from Pigeons, Hell. Pigeons from Hell, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, lots of stuff like this. So this would this is a combination of a long-standing Marvel hero, air quotes, um, Simon Garth, who has an amulet, and there's there's two of these amulets. They're the amulet of Dambala. And if you're wearing the other one, you can control him. You can override his own. He still has his own mind. Which reminds me, I have a gift for you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, he has his own mind, and he knows when he's doing wrong, but somehow it always works out that he's able to wrest control back and, and, and deal with it. And so in this one, he is placed into the Marvel Zombies world and has to and but he's a good guy zombie and has to convince the because they're a different kind the heroes yeah um so i'm not going to spoil any of it it it's a it's a slightly pricey 495 book but especially if you read any of that any of the horror books back in the 70s and have read the more recent uh, marvel zombies books um this is this is a fun read and and that's all we look for these days. i i regret that i did not pick it up but I, I, I but did. I was turned off by the Marvel because I did not enjoy the Marvel Zombies right. series. Right, but that you've made me interested in. So um, and when I did my research on this, uh, I forgot to mention that uh, his first appearance was actually in a book called Menace back in 1953. 
and Marvel re re brought him forward again in the I 70s. Had, I did not know yet. And I think I think I have a recollection of them reprinting some of the earlier ones in the in the magazine books, which was not unusual for them to do. No, I, yeah, because no. reprints are cheap. That's why those 100-page yeah. Super Spectaculars for DC were fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was torn. There's a there's a book I pre- I predict is going to be good, but I think honestly, that's the one. We this is the this is the one we should talk about because it's been all over the news. Yeah, and I recommended the first issue of the revised Mad when they moved to the West Coast and they uh, revamped with Bill Morrison, who of course you can listen to a couple of podcasts ago. We did a great interview with Bill for his work on Yellow Submarine, the graphic novel adaptation. And one of the rules was we can't really talk about Mad because Warner Bro- Warner Brothers or whoever DC wants to make sure that you know they go through them and not through Titan. And I'm afraid we may have missed our window because suddenly Mad is insanely relevant with their f- number four. It's actually I, I, I love the it, cover. I always find it funny <laughs> this December, you know, the Halloween issue. On Numeria, the cover is twin Alfred E. Newmans in the uh, Stephen King in the Stephen King and the Shining elevator, yeah. and instead of red rum, it says "Buy Mad" backwards. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> um, it is so so apropos, and it's five ninety nine, but uh, w- and full color too. Full color. Oh, gosh, I love this book so much. Um, aside from a, a, a great parody of Svengoolie uh, and Me TV. Which I, I'm grateful for MeTV because it was one of the channels that my my grandmother could get when she was ill, and we watched a lot of MeTV, and it was a, it was a great thing. Because, but um, they uh, have some fantastic pieces through in, but it made the news because of its parody of of Edward Gorey's Gashly Crumb Tinies. And this one is the Ghastly Gun Tinies. You should explain the gra- Ghastly Grum. So the gas, the Gun- Ghastly Crumb tinies, tinies, right, is a is like a primer uh, or primer, right? That's what we say, a primer uh, with. This is done in the '60s. Like it's one of those things that I often reflect on how something that was considered so terribly subversive. In the 60s, is now like, huh, yeah, well. I put a t-shirt of that on the baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, one of my high school teachers had that on his wall, just had them all in poster form. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a a disguised as a children's book, and it was horrible ways, you know, the the alphabet of of children dying in in macabre. And Gory was the source for the Adams family? No, uh, No? Charles Adams Adams was the source for it. But Gory was a... He was the source for the Gory family. About the same time. But it didn't sell as well. Yeah. (laughs) No, they were the same time. Uh, He also... Same same sensibility. This gets Broadway Broadway history. I discovered him actually in the 70s because he did the design for a Broadway revival of Dracula. And it came to San Francisco, I, and I and I had the T-shirt of him, of, of Gory's drawing of Dracula. I saw Jeremy Brett play Dracula on stage, and Frank Langella was the one who had made Frank Langella a star. Basically, well, he was on Broadway. Oh, he's he on played, Broadway. and then oh, they okay. made the movie with him. Right. The foolish thing is that the movie did not use the script that they used for the uh-huh. stage play. So the stage play is very campy and hilarious. And they tried to make John Badham, I think, was the director, tried to make the movie very like serious. the sexy, dark, serious yeah. Dracula, and it's like. That's not why Frank Langella became a star. Um, and I, ha- I watched it once and went, mm, that's not the play that I yeah. totally enjoyed. It didn't have the fun of Edward Gorey and, and designing the sets and designing everything about it. I, and yeah, you, people know his work. It's all over the place. But but the ghastly gun tinies took it and every death without actually saying it 
is a school shooting and it's devastating. And actually, seriously, I showed this, uh, I, I was working at my mother's house. One of her friends came over to visit and she brought in the mail and my issue of mad, my subscription had come in that day. And I said, Oh, let me show you this. And she said, you know, normally the subscription, the, the mail copies come with a cover that has another subscription form. I had to tear that off and give it to her because she immediately said, I'm giving my two grandchildren, my grandsons subscriptions to this mad Uh, after reading it. She said, that is brilliant. That is devastating. And yet you go through, um, oh man, Sergio Aragona is still doing, uh, Mad Border, look at borderlines or what? drawn out drawings, but no, this oh, is the, oh, the, the yeah. mad look at Dia right, de los right. Muertos, and um, some hilarious stuff, very predictable about uh, about cultural appropriation of it, as well as um, <laughs> there is a reference to Coco, and it's like just a brilliant little hey acknowledgement that that was a dang good movie. Uh-huh. Um, Spy, Spy versus, versus Spy, Spy. This is ah. a vampire and, and zombie version. Oh, there's a huge. Find it page. Mads Tom Bunk goes trick or treating. Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> it's it's brilliant. Uh, I enjoy Pots-ry. the the Pots, Pots of Fear. The Weisenheim Museum. I was talking about this. Every issue has some influential modern talent talking about how Mad influenced them. So Gris Grimley, who I love, writes an article called "What Me Evil," oh, and <laughs> and talks about his history there. Uh, so you know, Mad is becoming educational again while subversive. And just some brilliant satire, and uh, some of it's uh, potty humor, and that's okay. It gets into Thanksgiving. I do want to say, let's have fun with what you hate about Thanksgiving is a brilliant thing as well. And then I do like How to Defeat a Werewolf in 2018, uh, including uh, Sign It Up for Twitter. <laughs> and the werewolf was going, these people are monsters! <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, um, brilliant, relevant, and and just, you know... And who would say Mad Magazine is an important thing for? You know, and it, you know, I think should it be taught faded. in school. In a way, you know, I think the brand got devalued by Mad TV. Right. Um, the animated one that was on Cartoon Network was pretty good, but it was. But people, you know, there wasn't a connection to the magazine. It was a big disconnect, and suddenly, yeah. the most important part about the Mad Empire right now is Mad Magazine again, the way it should be. And again, kudos to Bill Morrison for having the courage to print to print some of this stuff in this day and age in this day and age and, and it's it's just a brilliant and so if you can still find it on the stands you know get it and i would say um because it's so so people are being so surprised at how good it is it's you know it go ahead and subscribe this is the first time i have subscribed to mad magazine since i was in high school hmm. and i let it go and then probably the first time that i started that i bought it again are they shipping in an envelope now no they, they ship in a cover that protects but like I said, I took I took the cover off because it has the coupon for a. But the the my problem with subscriptions they they can flip open and no mail and I know I yeah it still can you're you're yeah. absolutely right but um I'm I'm willing to take the risk I need uh, to see if my if my comic dealer can put that in my yeah because not every comic book store carries it and yeah. that it you know I think it's available through Diamond but it again it had passed out of favor you know yeah. who was who yeah. was picking it up. So, you know, yeah, go to go to your local store and look at your Diamond Previews catalog and mm-hmm. see if, if you can get it pulled. So that's my recommendation. And, Stephen, as you told us, everything I know about uh, comics I learned from you guys. So uh, there you go. Wise words. <laughs> wise, wise words. Uh, so let's go to something I think you can't talk about, which is uh, 
let's go with with movies since this is a Halloween episode and it will be out before Halloween and you're looking for something scary I thought I'd ask you know what's your favorite scary movie what would be your recommendation for people to whether they have seen it and should revisit or one that you think is like oh this is a cool little obscure thing you're looking at me I go first I usually make you go first okay I'm ready I know you are my favorite I can see it uh, I I saw this movie I was not of when I was in middle school, elementary school, high school, I was not a fan of horror movies at all. And it wasn't until I was in journalism class and I started getting free tickets to go see movies and stuff that I actually saw some really good uh, horror, sci-fi, uh, horror and sci-fi movies. Um, my favorite of all time ghost story is The Legend of Hell House. We mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Roddy McDowell, uh, absolutely fabulous, is the somewhat damaged uh, survivor of the prior expedition into the Hell House. The setting up of all the skeptics, uh, <laughs> the skeptics' yep. devices. We the, always get taken down in movies. Yeah, well, they, 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 <laughs> and they, you should. <laughs> they, 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 they have an electromagnetic uh, sensor and and a reason why that oh. fails. It's just such a. It's it's a. Comp- such a complete oh you got one I in forgot your hand. I forgot to mention that I have my EMF field tester with me the yes. Lutron EMF 822A um, would you uh, actually hold it against the doll and maybe we can uh, get a reading against the nutcracker the, the nutcracker, nutcracker yes it's not a doll I only have action figures <laughs> so first we should do something neutral like maybe your coffee mug hold it up against the I don't coffee know mug. I think that thing's pretty pretty haunted what's it say point 1 Okay, is it set for uh, Tesla? I mean, it does move the dot. Uh, I have the silliest switch ever on that thing. It okay, just you moves want, where you want it's... for Tesla or golf? It doesn't matter. It literally just moves the dot. Go Tesla. Go Tesla. Go Tesla. Go Tesla. Oh, it says the CEO has been replaced. No, <laughs> no. It's still it's at point zero one. Okay, okay great. Now, now the Nutcracker. What is it supposed to prove? Mm, mostly that EMF detectors are not very good. Point zero one. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's the same as a coffee. You brought a piece of crap. The well, haunted, I knew the haunted that. haunted nutcracker is the same as a coffee mug. <laughs> okay. What is is that haunted nutcracker? That coffee mug. Anyway, by we can't tell. So you know, the Hell House story is that there's been a prior expedition into this haunted mansion. Supposedly, there are, uh, the whole expedition except for one person went mad, killed themselves, and now this is the second one to go in years later with the survivor of the first time as acting as kind of a tour guide into this house that he's seen all this deranged. <laughs> and unwilling tour guide. Yeah, yeah. somewhat. Um, but they're paying him well. Yeah, and the 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 movie never loses its, its sensibility of a scientific expedition coming into play with the actual ghosts that are infesting this house and the mystery of what went on in hell house and why um and we should say based on a novel by richard Matheson. yes yes uh, a classic uh, amazing writer so mm-hmm. um that's my choice. I don't want to. There's so no, many great good. things in that movie. And, and, I don't want to no, spoil. And I, I just watched it last year for the very first time. All the ghosts, all the ghosts that we, quote unquote, see are, are they are not they are not done with CG. They're not vapors or anything. They're they are the manifestations of the effects of the ghosts, not necessarily right, them, right, themselves. Right, right. Which is 
more frightening because you aren't actually seeing what's doing this. And I think that your choice, don't correct me if I'm wrong, your choice is actually a TV TV show in the first place. Yes, it is. So I'm going to hold off. And sure. I will I will go with this is a time because it also rolls into TV that uh if you have not seen it because it's been remade a couple of times and being remade by Netflix right now, The Haunting. Right. Straightforward. The Haunting is a, and a, a, the remake by Jan DeBont in 1999 sucks so hard I cannot, <laughs> you know, because for exactly what you say, it's like Everything that the Robert Wise version in, I think it's 1961, implies. Right. And is done with just lighting and sound design. Right. Uh, the remake in, machines. The, the remake in 1999 is all, let's CG the crap out of it and do Except the- the one that had all the glass rooms yes. and stuff? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Whereas the original is there are sequences that, yeah, it's paced a little differently than- modern horror film would be but there are sequences i defy you not to be i, I would show it to students actually and say like what you know watch the, this and they go oh you know it's like are are they moving that and i'm like no it's just a it's just a lighting sh- a shadow thing and do you even know you know is it just their imagination or not and so much is left to the imagination that uh uh julie Oh, what was her name? Julie Harris, uh, mm-hmm. Russ Tamblin, and uh, they they would be the big big names from that. It was just a just a brilliant, frightening little film, and I highly recommend it. And I don't know where I would say, hey, on a streaming service, but if you find it on Amazon, I, you know, I've discovered if you look hard enough on Amazon, huh. you can find everything to stream. Uh, but I have not yet for that because I've been busy catching up on all these other TV series and movies. And right. as I, I mentioned, I, I last night went through like, oh, uh, I've got all these cable options and went through three classics that I had never seen. I won't name them because I am shamed. I was shamed <laughs> online for not having uh, seen uh, certain ones that were holiday themed. Uh, a certain one. Um, to find, But also realizing how like. Some of those old ones are you can actually watch with the family because they're not – if you have a child that's into being scared but not into the gore, these yeah. are movies that suggest. Of course, then I grant you, you have to stay up with your kid all night screaming uh, from the nightmares that were caused by watching The Haunting or, or other things. But uh, I'm going to expose my son to a couple of things. Willingly, I did text him and say, hey, you know, I, now that I've seen this one, it's not – it's not as gory. It's as not jump out you. As, you know, yeah. it's jump at you, but yeah. it's not gory, which is usually what really bothers oh, okay. him. You know, it's a lot more suggestion. So, it's not jump at you with a knife. Well, yes, it is. But anyway, okay. okay. <laughs> so let's go to TV because that's really where I feel like right now there is every streaming service is trying really hard to drag you to drag mm-hmm. us into with their with their horror stuff, and there's been a lot of original series uh, coming out. Both Netflix, Hulu, and your favorite Halloween tale, if you will, is actually on Shutter, mm-hmm. which you can get through Amazon Prime if you want to pay the five dollars or uh, for it might be worth it for one month, just because I think Shutter's the only place that has it. So yeah, this one has been very hard to find because uh, it was kind of on lockdown by the BBC, and of course I'm talking about Ghost Watch. The BBC version of, of War of the Worlds, basically, or rather... Not intentionally. Not intentionally. Well, uh. so what it was was uh, they wanted to do essentially a a 
fake live news broadcast, supposedly from a haunted house uh, on Halloween. And so they recruited essentially the light entertainment and news team. And so they got Michael Parkinson, who was uh, a very sort of beloved uh TV host, you know, very, a lot of gravitas, TV, TV presenter, Sarah Green, a, a, you know, who is a host of Blue Peter and so, you know, beloved by children. Wow. This is right there you're telling Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, it was based on an actual case called the Enfield Poltergeist. And uh, if you want to fall down a hole, uh, research the Enfield Poltergeist. That is a, a fascinating story. I may fall down that hole later. Yeah. Um and it perfectly predicted uh, pretty much our, our later genre of uh, paranormal TV entertainment. I mean, uh, it's it's essentially like the the blueprint on which the later Most Haunted was built, um, because it starts out very innocuous and it builds, and uh, it goes out of control. And just the sheer number of fascinating mind games that the show is playing with the audience. Um, you know, just after you watch it the first time, try to think of, did you see the ghost? And I, I do want to say, not knowing that you were going to choose it, I had written it mm-hmm. down because it's like, oh, this is like the first time in a long time that it's been available. Yes. In the it's US. wonderful to hear. And the reason being, so I did some research is, and you compared it to the War of the Worlds. A lot of people thought it was real. Mm-hmm. To the point that there were suicides afterwards, depressed teens, at least one. Who, Which were, were blamed on it. Very specifically in, the, in his note mm-hmm. had said, if, the, if, if ghosts are real, I, I, I want to be with them. Yeah, something like that. And so the fascinating thing, which I didn't realize, was it was meant to be a series. Mm-hmm. And instead, the BBC put it on lockdown, banned it from being shown for at least a decade. And... When I first encountered stories about it, it was just like this – there were stills mm-hmm. and there was like – I think somebody had found like a YouTube clip was all, was all – but for a long time, you could not get access to the show. Right. And um, I got it through various means a while ago and <laughs> I'm sure that they were the entirely legal in the uh, – states that it happened but um yeah ghost pirates (laughs) but uh i do have a practice of watching it every halloween and uh it is it just holds up i mean the acting is bbc 1992 you know there things get a little bit cheesy at some points but um i think i would find the cheese a relief yeah uh, i i occasionally it's just like delicious yeah exactly so yeah i Definitely recommend Ghost Watch, but um, watch, watch it understanding that it's fiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I was gonna gonna make a couple of uh, recommendations there uh, for other streaming services. As I mentioned, The Haunting is one of my favorite ghost stories, mm-hmm. horror films. Uh, it is being remade. Uh, it has been remade rather as a, as a ten part, ten episode series on Netflix uh, ba- with the original title uh, from. Shirley Jackson's original novel, which was The Haunting of Hill House. So The Haunting of Hill House is now on Netflix. I have not finished the series, not because I was terrified, because I, I changed locations where I was like, <laughs> I, I can't finish the series without without my fiance. you know, once you've gotten <laughs> uh, And it does exactly. There are some brilliant little Easter eggs in that uh, the director's come out and said he plants ghosts that have nothing to do with the plot, <laughs> just so there's a shot where you suddenly see, wait a minute, was there a... Was, what, 
and I have found myself rewinding and going, it's an interesting stagey piece. And I thought until they had named characters, I thought, Oh, it kind of works as a sequel. Like what would happen to Hill house if somebody had moved in after all the events uh-huh. and then realized that this entire family, everybody's named after somebody key from, and includes Russ Tamblin actually shows up in the, in the series hmm. and not as the character he played originally, but I thought, well, that was a cool touch. Cause I was thinking about, it. I think he may be the only surviving cast member of the original. And, uh, but the more you get into this, not only is it extremely well acted and some episodes are not as strong as others, but there are some introducing some kind of interesting, I don't want to ghost story lore things that there is at least one thing that I don't know that I've ever actually seen in a ghost story before and really well done. And, uh, Elliot, what's it? Uh, the the kid from ET, Henry Thomas. Right. Yeah. Henry Thomas plays the father. It, it goes back and forth in time. Is in 1991, he's the patriarch, and Carla Gugino. Is, they are house flippers. They've moved in, and and they're and they're doing this. Then it fl- flashes forward to we know something horrible happened one night in this house, and to the children as adults, the oldest son has become a, a writer who writes fictionalized ghost stories is a haunting. He wrote mm-hmm. the haunting of Hill house is his first one and blah, 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 <laughs> you know, and then they're all kind of going through and some of them are seeing their mother still. And what actually, and, uh, Timothy Hutton plays the father as an older man. And when I, I had not realized how much they look alike, like it is one of the single best casting of a family I have ever seen. Honestly, you stare at it and go, yep. Every single kid in this show looks like they could be, the child of Carlo Gugino and Henry Thomas yeah. and Timothy Hutton suddenly looks like, Oh, that's what Henry Thomas is going to age to look like. <laughs> and it, I, it, it's just bizarre, but it's really, really well done. And I think, um, I know I've, I've seen a lot of reviews, but both pro and con, but I, I, I do recommend it. It's been a fun, uh, creepy ride. And, and I, I, I do appreciate it. It's also a really well-written family drama with, you know, is this just a family that's psychologically haunted or did something, really bad happen and of course if you if you know the haunting of course that the some houses are born bad you know so uh i want to mention on who and i haven't watched it but because uh we mentioned nate costa he worked on light as a feather which i think is probably a slightly lighter horror series uh about teen girls playing that game light as a feather stiff as a board and then being uh followed by by some kind of malevolent spirit. So uh, I, I recommend that as fun as you're supporting someone who has been on the Fanboy Planet podcast many, many times. <laughs> uh, and so I do want to check it out. I just didn't have time because we got it got into that. And there was, uh, of course, we were watching Castle Rock as well. And then uh-huh. Hulu has started another anthology, which I haven't gotten into, but they're going to do a monthly uh, monthly original horror film under, a, under an anthology title. Uh, so... And I do want to end with, you know, you can't beat the classics. No. Universal knows that. Although I think with the weight of this box set, you can beat you can someone beat, with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so The classics can beat you. A couple of, uh, maybe three years ago, they released a Universal Monsters set that was about ten movies. Yeah. Uh, from, we were and, underwhelmed. Uh, no, no, no. I enjoyed it because that's all. It, but, came, yeah, with, but it I, came with a nice historical booklet. But, but I, I felt like... This movie's not there, and this movie's right. not there. Right, and of course we've talked about the dark, the failed dark universe. We always talk about how right. they did it right in the 30s and 40s, and they organically built this. 
And so I'm going to recommend, this is a purchase, um, and it, maybe it's an early Christmas gift uh, or Christmas wish list recommendation because nothing says Christmas like monsters, uh, <laughs> that they did an expanded box set on Blu-ray and regular DVD as well. This retails Frankenstein on... Frankenstein looks like he's framing a shot on the front cover. He is. It's like Boris right, Karloff directed ready? the whole thing. Lights. <laughs> uh, the Universal Classic Monsters Complete 30 Film Collection. I will, uh, I'm disappointed by a couple, still a couple of absences. One is that the Phantom of the Opera that they uh, include is the Claude Rains one, which I, which is not a bad film, but I am disappointed that they didn't go into the silence, which began right, right. their, their uh, you know, legacy with, with Lon Chaney being the Phantom and there's no hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Although I realize that maybe to some people isn't as much it's a horror, a horror film, movie. although yeah. it was certainly an Aurora model kit that glowed sure in the dark. Uh, I had that puppy. Uh, they have all the creature of the Black Lagoon. Uh, they don't have Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, but again, it didn't cross over uh-huh. originally. It would have crossed over in the Dark Universe if anybody had gone to see the Mummy. <laughs> but it 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 it. it well, no, Russell Crowe was there as Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. So, have you seen the Mummy yet? No. Don't. Anyway, uh, no, no, you can't. You're, you're talking about the latest moment. The Tom Cruise one. Right, yeah, no, yeah. I did see that. Uh, it's a f- fun afternoon, I guess. You know, right. it's just not a great film. Um, but anyway, the discs are divided by by monster. So if you're in the mood for all of the creature, uh, all of the Dracula movies, Wolfman, but it also, why I love this, includes all the crossovers, including... Oh God bless them! Yes, the Abbott and Costello movies. That I was bring wondering. It all to fruition, yes. So Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. Uh, no, meet Invisible Man because there is no well, Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. But there is a Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and uh, inc- they also include the wartime one, the Invisible Agent, the sequel to Invisible yeah, Man, yeah. where he's a spy. Uh, and Abbott and Costello meet the Mummy, and it's it actually end- a really good movie. Huh. For a, a, war, a spy movie, yeah. I don't know. I, I really want to get get yeah. through all this because there there are some that I just would not have expected. And you know, it wasn't until I actually cracked open my previous set and watched some of the extras. Like when I saw the Tom Cruise Mummy, I took out my Blu-ray and watched the original Karloff because I hadn't seen this since I was a kid on Channel Forty Four. And realizing that I had the Aurora Glow in the Dark model kit, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it was a different mummy. Then Karloff. Oh. And so there was a, that uh, here's the connection to our world, uh, that the guy who played Captain Marvel was the follow-up mummy after Karloff. Oh. Karloff's, uh, so it's a, even a different name and they had a whole different, where he became much more monstrous and frightening and was the more bandaged version right. instead of Karloff was just <laughs> Karloff looking creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I refer to him that way because that's actually how he, they build him in the mummy just and starring Karloff. <laughs> so um, I, I really recommend this. Like I say, it's $150 on Amazon, but you get 30 movies, a booklet, so many extras, including, which I do love about this, uh, among the bonus features uh, is that, they're, that they filmed at night the Spanish language yes. version of Dracula on the same well, set. They filmed it. Uh, they do the day shoot of the English one, and then at nighttime, the Spanish crew would come in and do a Spanish one. Right, that's so, what I just said. No, you said they filmed it at night. No, they filmed at night, and I didn't finish the right, Spanish okay. language 
Thank you. Forget the F out of my head. Please. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I believe that there was also one very important prop that was transferred literally from person to person. The I th- ring? The wig. Oh, the wig. Uh, I, I thought I heard once that they literal that they uh, used the same wig for both performances. I haven't heard that, but it, but there is a documentary on a little extra, so oh. I'm sure that if it's You'll true, prove me right or wrong. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> I, skeptic. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's fine because I've watched the Lugosi one a few times. I've never watched the Spanish language version. It's supposed to be a superior film. I, that's what I was going to yeah. say. I've heard that it is superior. Mm-hmm. It is sexier because it's for a different audience. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, because famously, you know, I would say the other thing that's missing, but it doesn't fit, is it would have been cool if Freaks had been included. <laughs> but, but it's not going to be. So anyway. No. Uh, you know. That's so, Todd Browning's Freaks. Todd Browning's Freaks. Oh, right, because there is another. No. There's a couple of Freaks. Freaked is the one that, uh, not a bad film, not a great film, but um, yeah. So Todd Browning's Freaks uh, is not on this. And uh, yeah, so. And I've also, you know, so this has been a week where I'm also discovering, like, old stuff. You can also find an Amazon Prime I just want to recommend because it's an odd, out-of-the-way one. Have you seen A Bucket of Blood? The Roger no. Corman film? No, no, I've heard of it, but I've not Precursor seen it. to Little Shop of Horrors. Uh-huh. And I was watching it going, it's kind of like all the same story it's beats. It's a dark, dark comedy, right? It's a dark comedy, yeah. but what a really great little film. It's like 61 minutes. Oh. So you want to call it a TV, you know, TV show? Find it on Amazon Prime. And if you have Amazon Prime, it's free. Just, you know, watch it. Dick Miller, who's in uh, Gremlins, and uh, I just bought a biography of him called You Don't Know Me, But You Love Me. Bought it at Dark Delicacies. There I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, he's, and he'll be appearing there December 15th, his 90th birthday. So he's signing the book. Wow. And, uh, and anything. And so he, he, I guess he was there a couple weeks ago. So I got an autographed copy, but it wasn't there. They just put it aside and signed it, but he'll be back in December. Um, and so I thought, oh, I've never watched this film, and it's a, you know, it's a cool little piece. But I, I was thinking, it's a lot like Little Shop. Oh, but it was first. And then Dick Miller said he turned down the lead in Little Shop of Horrors because he said it's too much like a bucket of blood, and he played a small role in Little Shop of Horrors instead. Oh. And we remember Little Shop of Horrors because it was turned into a musical. Whereas, uh, and by the way, and directed by Frank Oz. Because mm-hmm. one news thing we should acknowledge today is the day that Sesame Street announced that Carol Spinney who has been performing Big Bird since 1969, and Oscar the Grouch has officially stepped down mm. and will remain an ambassador for Sesame Street. But is that's the long? I think that is the longest unbroken streak of one person Voicing. puppeteering. Uh, no, and still puppeteering. She was a puppeteer too. He all the, he he. Carol Spinney, C A R R O L L. He was the puppeteer. He was the as well puppeteer. The he was in there. Yeah, and he's wow. just gotten it's too hard. To be this seven foot bird and like looking through yeah, a monitor yeah, yeah. here and holding this up, I am astonished that it took this long for him to retire. I'm astonished too, but yeah. I also think you know he loved it too much. Oh, he he was a master of the craft. Yeah, and so speaking of audiobooks, man, listen to him narrate Street Gang, the mm. history of of Sesame Street. It's fantastic. I don't know if this is what sci fi sci fi sci fi says, but if you ever <laughs> listen to an audiobook. It's narrated by somebody who was there. Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's so much better than just having a re- – no offense to any of my many talented friends oh. who do audiobooks. I totally agree. I, I mean, mean my favorite audiobook of all time is Stephen King's On Writing because oh, yeah. it's his biography and he reads it to you. I, yeah, I've got to get the audiobook. I've read it several times. Yeah. Yes. I need to get the audiobook. So, hey, there's more uh, recommendations. <laughs> we just uh, – 
Push a whole bunch in. So, hey, thanks for listening. And once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticisms, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. Stephen Nelson of sf3podcast.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use your powers for for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.